Hello and welcome to the Physiatry Podcast. This is podcast number eight. We're going to be talking a little bit more about sleep today. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. A little reminder for everybody, if you have any questions, please send me an email at info at painlessnx.com. Again, that's info at p-a-i-n-l-e-s-s-n-x.com. If you have anything that you would like to say directly to me and would like to record something and send it to me, I'd love to receive those as well. I will play those on one of these podcasts. Furthermore, if you want to send me a message on my Facebook site or send me a direct message on Facebook, that would be wonderful and I will respond to you as well. You can also tweet me at paindoc2012. Another piece of news, I will be in Kauai next week and be presenting at the Kauai Pain Conference, which is presented by Neurovations. I will be presenting on intrathecal pain pump delivery and its intricacies. This is something I do in my regular practice. Before I get too much into sleep today, I wanted to give you a brief update on the coronavirus. The main important thing to understand is this is not as severe as many people have been talking about. It is not the end of the world, but it is a severe illness. The condition is widespread, but we really don't know how much. The flu is easily identified, and this condition is going to sweep like the flu. Now, we don't know when, but it is going to happen. Kids really aren't getting too sick. Adults are the most affected. It is worse than the flu. The death rate is about 3%. Or maybe. We really don't know how many people are really affected and how many people are getting sick. Most people are actually pretty mildly sick. Most of the symptoms are like a cold, fever, chills, and at the end, people can get pneumonia. There is no antidote as of yet. There is no vaccine. We treat people symptomatically. How to protect yourself? Avoid contact with sick people. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home if you're sick. Cover your cough, sneeze with a tissue or your elbow. Disinfect frequently touched areas with a wipe. Face masks are only necessary if you're in close settings with sick people. And the sick person should be wearing the face mask, not necessarily yourself. Wash hands frequently with soap and water or alcohol-based hand sanitizer that is greater than 60%. Most of the illnesses and the deaths have happened in the Wuhan area and the Hubei province. When we think about that, it is much less dangerous than when it goes beyond that. Now the death rate, the death rate outside Wuhan and the Hubei province is much less than inside the Hubei province. The death rate in the Hubei province was approximately 3.1% on February 4th. The mortality rate in Wuhan itself is about 5%. This is significantly higher than what we are seeing outside of China. Another thing to think about is that 80% of the cases of death are patients that are over 60 years old. And more than 75% of these people have cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and in some cases even may have a tumor. Elderly people with basic diseases, as long as they have pneumonia, were at very high risk of dying anyway. So having pneumonia 
is probably causing death more than the coronavirus itself. So people, let's not freak out. This is an illness that affects the elderly with underlying disease and doesn't affect the young and healthy as much. So let's think about that with a grain of salt. Think about the flu and how it affects most people. And think about this condition as similar to the flu, but really not that bad. Since everyone has started to lose sleep over the coronavirus, let's ask why sleep is so important. I'm going to first talk about sleep deprivation. In this case, I'm talking about prolonged periods of several nights where less than six hours of sleep has occurred. People show significant problems in performing many ordinary tasks like driving cars or performing surgery. This is one reason why they have limited amounts of exposure to overnight shifts for residents. Following days of sleep deprivation, that's not like one day, like seven days, people act as though they haven't slept at all in 24 hours. If you've ever performed an all-nighter or done anything like that, you know how it feels to not sleep in 24 hours. It feels terrible. So you can imagine not sleeping at all for 24 hours or sleeping very little for seven days and it feeling about the same. When we think about how much sleep everybody needs, it of course depends on how old you are, and I'll get into that in a couple minutes. But the average amount of sleep needed to avoid cognitive effects depends on the person. This seems to be about eight hours or 8.16 hours per night per person. When you are sleep deprived, one of the things that happens is you develop micro sleeps. This is where people tend to sleep for small periods of time while they're awake. That could be while you're at a stoplight or while you're performing surgery, oh, maybe not. Um, two nights of sleep recovery, which means nine plus hours of sleep, does restore the amount of terrible effects that happen with the lack of sleep, including those micro sleep issues. How about if you wake up at night many times and have disrupted sleep? This in many cases is even worse than getting a limited amount of undisrupted sleep. Sleep disturbance may be worse than having short sleep durations without disturbance. They actually may increase what's called tumor necrosis factor alpha. This is a pro-inflammatory molecule in the body and may increase chances of osteoporosis. When you have short sleep duration, this does not increase tumor necrosis factor alpha. Sleep disturbance may increase oxidative stress. This may also in alter inflammatory and coagulatory responses that increase what's called atherosclerosis, and this can contribute to heart disease, and strokes. Chronic sleep deprivation may also cause increase in beta amyloid. This is the thing that actually causes Alzheimer's disease or is thought to cause Alzheimer's disease. Another molecule that is decreased during sleep disturbance is something called phosphatidylcholine. This molecule increases fat metabolism as well as decreases dementia risk so when we think about things that increase dementia risk, one of the biggest things is disrupted sleep. A recent study showed that decreased sleep can actually change the way you look and make you look worse. It can actually change your skin tone and decrease hydration. 
So it's very important to sleep. And when people are talking about beauty sleep, they actually mean it because it actually helps skin tone. Another thing that sleep may interface with is pain. Now, although I talked about sleep increasing inflammatory markers or decreasing anti-inflammatory markers, there's also evidence that sleep restriction and sleep interruption may increase spontaneous pain. So this means just simple things that may not normally cause pain would cause more pain if you have the lack of sleep. What is interesting is even one night without enough sleep can cause an increase in overall pain levels to chronic pain patients as well as to patients that don't have pain. One of the things that can increase specifically in pain neurons or the nerves that have that carry your pain signals up to the brain is what's called temporal summation or the addition of different signals to those nerves combine to cause increased pain even further. So it is extremely important for everybody to get a good night of sleep. And yes, sleeping less sometimes is okay, but it is very important to make up that sleep at some point. What is very interesting is that nighttime workers or graveyard shift workers, these are people that work eight hours during the night and may sleep enough during the day, even with all that sleep during the day, they still exhibit many of the symptoms of sleep deprivation. So let's break down sleep a little bit more. Now, we have five stages of sleep. Each has its own role in the recovery from the uh, the awake day. Now, the first stage of sleep is actually called the awake stage. This is, yeah, really being awake is a stage of sleep. Non-REM sleep or non-rapid eye movement sleep is a different type of sleep. This is broken into three stages, sometimes broken into four stages, but I'll talk about three stages here. Stage one is light sleep. This is where people think that they are not asleep, but they actually are asleep. And if they're woken up during this sleep, they won't say that they've actually slept. They think that they never slept. This is a very short duration sleep and is a very light sleep. Stage two is also considered a light sleep, but it's deeper than stage one. So people are in a deeper trance state or state uh, stage of sleep than in stage one. Now, stage one actually helps with memory consolidation. Now, stage three is deep sleep. Now, deep sleep is the most restorative stage of sleep. During stage three of sleep, there are problems that can occur, including sleepwalking, sleep talking, and night terrors. Also, human growth hormone is released during this stage of sleep. It restores the body and the muscles from the stresses of the day. Finally, there is what's called REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. The reason why they called REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep is because the eyes are moving rapidly during this stage. Now, when you look at someone and their eyes while they're sleeping in this stage, their eyes are actually moving from side to side pretty quickly. Now, most muscles are paralyzed during this stage and vivid dreams happen during this stage. Now, all people dream. Despite you maybe not remembering any dreams from last night, everybody dreams during this stage of sleep. Sleep apnea is actually worse during this part of sleep because people's muscles are paralyzed. When we talk about 
sleep and the stages of sleep. Now, we all go through cycles of sleep during the night. So we can go through two or three cycles of sleep, which go through each one of these REM sleeps and non-REM sleep stages. So as we sleep, the first half of the sleep is more restorative. So we go through more of the non-REM type sleeps and the stage three sleeps during the first half of the sleep. During the second half of our sleep stage or second half of the night, we actually go through less of the restorative sleep and more of the REM sleeps. Interestingly, we still don't know the exact use of REM sleep. And SSRIs, which are serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which can help for depression, is used commonly for depression. There are many different drugs, including Prozac, Zoloft, Celexa, that are considered SSRIs. These all increase the amount of REM sleep. It's interesting. I wonder if that has something to do with serotonin reuptake or how that works for us with depression. In any case... Now we have several types of sleep disturbances, and I talked about this just briefly. I talked about sleep apnea. So there are two types of sleep apnea, obstructive and central. There's insomnia, there's restless leg syndromes, there's narcolepsy, there are also many more. I'm actually gonna dedicate a full podcast to different sleep issues and sleep disturbances. Again, how much sleep do we really need? So small kids need more sleep than adults. Infants for their first year need between 12 and 17 hours of sleep per night. That's also during the day. Of course, they take naps during the day. Toddlers sleep between 11 and 14 hours. Preschool kids, 10 to 13 hours. School kids, meaning ages 6 to 12, sleep 9 to 11 hours. Teenagers, 8 to 10 hours. And adults, 9 to 7 hours. Now, older adults above the age of 65 may need less than seven hours too, but most people between seven and eight hours. These, of course, these are generalizations and they may vary between person to person. Now, when we think about sleep and how some people don't have any of these sleep disorders that I talked about earlier, but they still can't go to sleep, one of the most important things is sleep hygiene. One of the things to think about with sleep hygiene, you have to be sleepy when you go to sleep. So don't take excess naps during the day. Limit them to 30 minutes if you do sleep during the day. More than 30 minutes may actually interrupt nighttime sleep. Avoid stimulants near sleep time. Many people state that they can't drink coffee after 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. If you do that, it may disrupt your sleep and may keep you awake. Avoid alcohol. Alcohol does put people to sleep and puts people to sleep faster, but it actually disrupts the second half of sleep and makes the second half of sleep less restorative. It also makes your sleep lighter, so you do less of the stage three sleep and more of the stage one and two sleep. So you may think that you're sleeping, but you're not sleeping as deep, so you're not recovering as well. Exercise is important. So exercising too late in the day can be a problem to sleep, but exercising earlier in the day makes you more tired for sleep, and even 10 minutes can help with nighttime sleep quality. One of the things to think about with sleep is exposure to light during the day. During the day when you wake up, you should be exposed to some sort of light so that your body wakes up. At night, before going to sleep, it should be dark. And at night, sometimes having complete darkness is important. Having even a night light on can disrupt sleep. Make sure before you go to sleep, your bedtime routine is relaxing. 
read a book, do something that doesn't cause stress, make sure it's cool in your room, listen to nice music. You could consider blackout curtains, eye shades, earplugs, white noise machines, humidifiers, and even fans can help with some relaxing sound. Reading prior to sleep, as I mentioned, may help your sleep. Turn off your phone. The blue light from phones can cause you to be up. Now, one of the Many of the newer phones have a dark mode or some sort of mode where it stays dark, but they still expose you to some blue light. This blue light is the similar light as the sun. That's why it makes you stay awake. So remember to turn off your phone or to keep it on dark mode and don't be exposed to your phone too much before you go to sleep because it may keep you up. Don't try to sleep if you're not tired. If you have a clock in your room and it bothers you or you keep thinking about, oh, I haven't fallen asleep yet and it's 1 a.m., get rid of the clock. Don't keep looking at that. Another thing to think about is to sleep consistently. So if you sleep at a certain time every night and wake up at a certain time in the morning every morning, that actually helps with the body adjusting to the amount of sleep that you're getting and the times that you sleep. Make sure you balance your fluid intake. Don't drink too much fluid at night, but you need to drink a little bit so you're not parched, so you're not drinking water in the middle of the night. Make sure you eat light meals at night especially and eat them early. Eating later and heavier meals can actually cause indigestion. Snacking on light foods are, is, a, is extremely important because if you are hungry at night, it may keep you up. And if you snack on a heavy thing, it may actually keep you up as well. I remember when I was in India recently, as I've mentioned in my previous podcast, I was in India in December and January. But one thing I noticed is that everybody eats very late there. Everybody eats at about 9 or 10 o'clock. And I'm used to eating at about 7.30. So this caused me a lot of trouble at night sleeping. So what I would do is instead of eating a very heavy meal like most people did in India, I would eat a very light meal with everybody else at 9 o'clock. And I might stay up a little bit longer at night, but I would try to finish digesting most of my meal before going to bed. If nothing else works, remember that your room is a sleep sanctuary. Try to do only two things in your bed, sleep and sex. Don't watch TV, don't play with your phone, don't work, and don't even read a book. So if you are in your bed and you are doing something else other than this and it's causing you trouble at night, go to a different room. If you can't sleep in your bed, go to a different room and then come back when you're sleepy because that'll help you sleep again. Remember one thing that's most important. Don't stress. If you can't sleep, try changing your routine. Don't stress about sleeping because guess what? If you're stressing about sleeping, you're not going to sleep. If you still can't sleep, then go see your doctor. Maybe you have a sleep condition. One more thing. Don't lose sleep over the coronavirus. It is going to sweep through, but most people are not going to get sick. Make sure you take the general precautions of washing your hands and not sneezing into your hands and not sharing germs. Thank you for listening to the Physiatry Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. I hope to hear from you all next week. Remember, you can email me at info at painlessnx.com. Thank you and have a good week. Take care.